This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. This is round two for us, James. Me too. Yeah, James Fitzgerald of OPEX. Um, OPEX Fitness of what? Fitzgerald, James Fitzgerald of the Fitzgerald clan. Okay. My job. Yeah. Is OPEX Fitness. Yeah. I always <laughs> feel like I got to throw that stuff in there, but you you're know, right. Let's, let's ease. I'm James. We'll, we'll ease into it. I'm a friend of yours. Well, listen, we had some great conversations over, uh, well, I would, in my estimation, there were great conversations recently. We went on a great bike ride and then we were over yeah, here. Right. The family was over here. Yeah. And, um, actually we were sitting in these chairs having this conversation. Yes. And it made me, it brought to mind for me, one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast, because I was having conversations with guys like you that I felt like could benefit others. And it's not like we're telling anybody what to do, but it's like, these are the ideas that we're just playing with. We're curious about questioning. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, that it was a transition from an idea that I had a knowing about things, you know. Not a capital K knowing, but that little, the lowercase yeah, knowing. Yeah. Like I thought I knew my shit. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when that, for, for, for guys like me, when that world gets up, turned upside down, it's like, okay, there's a whole different world out there. Yeah. So now the conversations, and you would probably be able to speak to it better than I could because I am actually the person who's doing my speaking, mm-hmm. but just in the relationship we've had over the last 12 years, I think. Yes. You know, you knew me back in the trading world, Mm -hmm. transitioned into the- Actually traveling to here, right? Remember when- Yeah. You were working together, you were living in Chicago, but you used to travel here. I was like, why are you going to- Yeah, and here's here's Coeur d'Alene. We're we're recording in Coeur d'Alene at James's place here. Yeah. Um, They're about to shove off back to Arizona, to the heat. Towards the sun, yeah. But I'm curious, actually. So yes, I did see you for 12 years in a, you know, big- I guess you'd call it uh, growth. Period, yeah, and in transition two, period. And 2013, as living. I as I came out of trading, and you know the book that you gave me, David Data's, you know, Way of a Superior Man, mm-hmm. was the straw, the whatever you want to call it, that gave me the nudge, like, oh, you, it's just time for you to leave trading. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been showing up or not really showing up in a way that felt good. Yeah. For you know, it's probably a year and a half, if I had to guess. Yeah. And I read that book, and it was like, oh, and I had read it before, but I was ready. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just need to leave. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, one of the, the greatest uh, pieces of advice you shared with me, and I've shared this with many people, Cal, you can stay in Chicago, but you'll always have that skin of Cal, the ex-trader. Mm-hmm. Go somewhere else, kind of get to redefine who you mm-hmm. are and, and, and how people know you, and you kind of get a kind of a clean slate. Yeah. Transition into something new. Yeah. Change skin. So I'm just curious, like yeah. what, what any of that brings up for you? Yeah, I think, uh, it, it brings up, uh, not that I have not seen it before in a lot of men. Um, cause I had a lot of experience with, uh, just, I guess, um, moving men along that pathway in, in through my job, which is fitness and exercise and health consulting to make it general. 
statement. But the first thing I think about is that, and I tie in a lot of things to it. My, my, um, experience of doing it with other people. Um, and immediately I go to the times when I was young, like early on in my career. And I had these, uh, men in front of me who are going through this journey of, uh, you know, life minutes, days, hours, months, on and on. And I, I was observing it, but I couldn't speak about it. So, uh, you know, I was, I, I was asking questions like, you know, s- simplistic things like, you know, you're 45. What, why are you, why are you so focused on this new thing? Or why are you so now invested in your health and fitness or why? So I was looking as a young person, you know, as a consultant looking at that going, wow, that's interesting. You know, there's, you know, and the only thing you hear, the cliche things are midlife crisis, um, et cetera. So I start then, you know, trying to learn more. Um, remember as I'm now starting to experience it as aging and kind of moving along that pathway. So I'm seeing it from a couple of different angles. Um, and as I mentioned to you on bike ride, I try to use a couple of different lenses that allow me to at least speak to this transition period or whatnot. And just for context, James, how old are you right now? I'm 46. Okay. And I'm 48. So we're similar ages. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned chronological age, uh, because that does have a part to play. Um, you know, when you stretch out a lived experience and a life, that's the beautiful thing I, re- I love around biology and the time and space that's wrapped around it is that they actually are years and minutes and hours and months. So, and within that, there's biological constraints. So you're not going to deadlift a thousand pounds when you're 85. And I just give that as an example. There's this period of growing in life and then peaking in life and then resisting entropy. And so these individuals that I saw back to your point of how, what's the first thing I think about when I see that, um, you know, I, I basically just wrap like the lived experience around that. Like, it just makes sense to me that, um, you know, they're getting to a point in their life where they probably are connecting physical potential, um, to what they can express, but now they can sense that that game is over. And so physical expression could be one medium in which they express it, right? They could also be doing it through jobs or you know, whatever, but they're just trying to, it's like, they're trying to, they're trying to get it in while they can. Right. Which makes sense because you're peaking in your, you know, in your life and you have the faculties and the pieces to kind of push you towards that. But this is the interesting thing, which is why you and I love the concept of the athlete transitioning at a professional career Yeah, to the, it's very similar, right? It's a very similar story. albeit the peaks a little different, but you're, you're basically now trying to figure out how to resist entropy uh, under this biological constraint of you're not as vital, your libido is not as high, and you don't know how to deal with this birth of spiritual and emotional growth that you're going to have to tackle. You know, it's coming. Some people can't deal with it, and some people can. Um, what does not dealing with it look like through your oh, experience? It can be, well... Could be numerous things. Obviously, that, going falls deep into your job. Yeah, yeah. It can just look like, uh, yeah. It's very tough to generalize it, but um, you're just you're you're going downhill too quickly. Um, it can become nihilist. Um, it can become 
very threatening in which you try to find other substitutes of things that um, try to give you what you still think you got. Um, yeah, it just goes in multiple different angles. Relationship changes. It could be all for all for good, but uh, it's just it's just hard to deal with. Um, which you know, let's think about this too. Based upon you know all that information has been packed into us, you know all these males have only experienced this for a hundred years. So just take a second to think about that for our lived experience and our generations. Right, it's the shit that we got embedded inside of us. I mean, we've only been averaging over, you know, 75 to 80 years of age as a lived experience for over a hundred years. Right. So, I mean, we've never dealt with this complications of trying to resist entropy from 55 to 85 years of age. Am I making sense? Yeah. So, I mean, we're still writing the book on it. We're still writing the book and like, what do you do from 55 to 85? You know, so I think it does make sense that we have some troubles with it. Um, and that I've seen this within males in that transition. So those that's where my mind goes on it is a, is a, I'm just tying in my physiology and biology to it. And, you know, what, what meaning is for those years and how do you wrap shit around it? It does make sense if it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> like we joke about it in coaching all the time is like, you know, past 45 or 50, there's not much. <laughs> you're not really, this is what we joke about, of course, but you're not really doing that much. Like you're not contributing significantly. You're not doing such fascinating things. Now, of course, that needs to be stretched out. Be like, oh, I know a 62 year old or someone's listening. Oh, I'm still, you. yeah, I get it. But you know what I'm saying? It, uh, On a relative just, level, sure. But yeah. as far as your personal lived yeah. experience. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you're just, you're just happy, man. You just live waking up and looking for rhythm and Yeah. And so how how well one of the things we talked about on the bike ride and and a uh, little plug here, but for the unlearned experience, which has is actually launching today officially, the first group mm-hmm. is going through and in our our focus in this first eight week session is connection to self. Now, phase two is connection to body, and that's where you're gonna come in. How many sessions do you have? We're gonna have um we have two lined up right now. We're, we're okay. just kind of letting it kind of unfold. Okay, cool. Um, but what I'm excited about for you to bring is, you know, arguably I have a group of men. It's a men's group. It's a brotherhood that um, anywhere from, let's just call it early 30s to late 40s. And there's some outliers. Yeah. but yeah, that's a great cohort. Yeah, that cohort, as you know, yeah. like we're they're in the thick of all of this questioning. And so yeah. what I am really excited about uh, for you to come on is to share, to almost give them permission to look at all of this differently mm-hmm. because we have all these ideas, whether we started out and we've been in CrossFit or whatever the images were that are impacting us and, and nudging us towards different decisions. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to come in and kind of give an etch a sketch to that whole idea and have someone with you, like you, who've, who's had this experience, who's worked with thousands of men right? And yes. women, but in, yes. in particular, and to share with- More women, by the way. There we go. And, I, and we will get to that uh, soon enough because as we discussed, it's important. Um, I know a lot of women have reached out to me and said, hey, we'd love for you to get a little bit more onto the, you know, what we may be dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so I think you have, you have a perfect kind of experience around yeah. that, not through the lived, but through yeah. working with tons of women. So- yeah. I'd love to have you just kind of give a little snapshot or an idea about what that may look like for 
a male 35 to 50 who has been a, let's just call him a, an athlete yeah, uh, for a number of years. What does that transition look like? How do you, how do you, how do you give them permission yeah. to like be okay with that? It's over that yeah. that part's over. Yeah. Well, I love your wording on it, giving them permission to it. Cause that's a big, you know, that's a big one. Um, but I think, uh, I would give them to just, you know, just use what you were saying. I would give them the language, um, along with, um, you know, some things that, that sh- should make them look at things and go, now that just makes sense. Um, so if I can make sense of things, then I know that I'm on the right path with them. Um, I would also, you know, from my experience, outline what I was just previously talking about. What is, what is your definition of success for this lived experience? That's what I would, I would get them to wrap their eyes around and really feel that. So you can call it setting goals. You can call it having a name. You can call it um, whatever it is. But if, we, if I can't get them as a whole and each individual wrapped around this concept of them clearly defining what they believe is an admirable aim for a lived experience, then I won't get them anywhere. But that's what I'll first start to do. Um, and I, I, I create some, I inject some placeholders for them. I, I lay some things out and uh, get them to ruminate on what they, you know, really, you know, can get attached to. And I do that. That's a big responsibility on my behalf, you know, because remember, as I'm saying, I'm injecting a concept, but that comes from a, pl- a, pl- a good place. You know, you need to know that. And it comes from a place that uh, not just care, but also experiences of seeing the right and wrong of choosing that. Okay. So I would get them to a spot and to, so we can have some conversation and wrap it around is my belief through experiences and in what I currently see is a big trip up for a lot of people and using that cohort, especially is not having the correct intention of all their actions in taking care of the self or doing physical expression, right? It's complete incorrect intentions. And I know that because I was a pusher. I used to push incorrect intentions. Um, I would say there's, it was still with good intention, but sure. you know, I, you know, anyways. Um, so well, we would, does that look like kind of more advising, giving a prescription without almost collaborating on the prescription? Like what is what does it that look like for you? Cause I know for me, we've talked about this for, for so long, I was telling people what to do. Yeah. They come yeah, to yeah. me, Oh, you're in great shape. What do you yeah. do? Go, go do these things. And, and I learned that that was, yeah. A dead end for me. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. I was I was pushing that a little bit more, still with good intentions. But what I'm saying is I'd probably get them to a level of awareness first. And then secondarily, before I get to the prescription as to what that is, they need to recognize what this, you know, let's call it um, self-evident autonomous function is. Right. They need to, I need to get them to the spot where they start recognizing that taking care of themselves or expressing themselves physically is done for purposes because they're capable of doing it and because it's for them. So mm. whatever the prescription is, <laughs> but, but you see it's what you're going to do is what you're capable of. So Which it's not what James told you. It's a huge It's what you're capable of, right? Yeah. And then that, that takes on some self-responsibility, right? But it also centers you. So, so individuals would be like, yeah, but I want to do that. 
but you're not capable of doing that. But this is what you can do. So I need to get them to that spot of understanding the intentions in that direction. And as I said, I do give a placeholder of saying, you want to have all of these things add up so that you can navigate this motherfucker really well. Right. Yeah. This world. you want to, yeah. you want to create this big time buffer. Mm -hmm. um, so your resilience level goes up with every physical expression and everything that you do. And you can see, as I'm saying it, you can see how people can get excited around that. Right. Because oh, yeah. it's liberating, right. That people are like, I'm in control of that. Yeah. You're fucking in control of that. Right. That's up to you to do it. If I can like lay the, lay the plan for them. So it's, it's connected to uh, long-term pieces too. So I want them like thinking about things like, uh, what does great cognitive function mean for you forever? So for the next 40 years, right? They're 35, the next 40 years or 45, whatever. Um, what does great thoughts, you know, mean to you? And, and what happens if you had a lot more time in the day and a lot more opportunity to really be super clear and to think great thoughts and to come up with all these unbelievable ideas, right? And strategies and, and things. And if I can get them wrapped around that, then I can tie in what their program should look like. Cause then they go, Oh, I did this. And you know, over time, as I measure it, I'm not more cognitively effective. Okay. Well, we need to, you know, so that's one. Secondly, I would say it has to lead to your, to what you want to express physically. So whatever your program is, has to allow you to do the things you want to do. Like some of those individuals may want to climb a mountain twice a week, you know, that, that takes 10 hours. So you're going to have to do whatever is in your program to allow you to express those things physically. And I give them a stepwise sequence as to what that's going to look like for 30, 40 years, right? So I'll say things like, you know, so you want to work out maybe three times a week. Yeah, I guess, you know. So uh, every week all year. Yeah, maybe two weeks off. Okay, 50 50 weeks. So that's 150 sessions, correct? And they're like, yeah. Like, so that's 150 per year. So over 10 years, you're getting 1,500 of them done, right? They're like, yeah. So over 20 years, you're getting 3,000 of them done. See, now they're starting to go, I got a lot of op, I got a lot of fucking options here. You know what I mean? And yeah. every, every session wow. that I put in together. You get it, you give them space, you're giving them space. I, exactly, exactly. So, but I, but I do it in a way that makes them go, I should probably back off a tiny bit every time, every time, every time I do this, but it makes it, it implants this idea that it's not worth it if it's not sustainable. Right. And then that's going to allow you to say, well, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want physically and I'll know by then. So if I'm 30 now by 60, I'm going to know if that was a good program. Right. Because I've always been thinking about this long-term play of making it consistent. And then lastly, the, the third, you know, idea um, would be about uh, relations and purpose. So I, we talk about, you know, in OPEX, especially living the largest life possible. And what we mean by that is not just, you know, living it, but, you know, it, it brings up words of like potential, not mediocre, right? Not subpar, but like always striving for what you're possibly not overreaching on, but what you're capable of, you know, in mind and body and how that all connects for the next 50 years. So you know, going after things, um, you know, tr don't be afraid, you know, get tripped up, be vulnerable, learn from it and then grow from it and continually strive. Right. And that's why rap that's injected, but that's what I believe would be a worthy life is someone continually adapting to all of these things that they have placed in front of them as challenges and they've overcome. And then they own that. So that's the pillars for those 
those folks that I'm going to set up. I hope I didn't speak too much of it so that they know what I'm going to get into now, but that's basically how I'm going to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love the, A, the adaptability. Cause that's, yes. that's the key, right? As we, you know, I've talked about, we actually learned this from you and from Bernie, um, not having that goal, having the aim. Yeah. So the aim allows you to have a, an area a direction you're going and to adapt to what is required to move forward yeah. into yeah. those, those yeah. kind of obstacles and through them. Yeah. I, um, I'm glad you picked up on that. I wanted to make mention of it again through Bernie. He always seems to come through in these chats, mm -hmm. which is so good. This would be a classic Bernie room too, by the way. Oh, Just really? A side note. Yeah. The the warm wood and the books and the, yeah, it's really good fireplace. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that's give what life, little, life can is. Can you just give a little history on Bernie, just so every the listeners? Yeah, know. I'll come back to it. Okay, in a second. But uh, the the adjustments. That's what you know. That's what life is. It's adjustments. Yeah. You know, adaptability and adjustments. Adjust yourself to what you see. You know, because there's new information coming in. Yeah, at it's all. just like we're making a, a determination from right now what it may look like. Yeah, but that's just the, that's a guide. Yeah, that's some structure. But we have to leave that structure to actually move forward through it. Yeah. Yeah. Adapt. And I do want to, at some point, you're, you've, you're good. Uh, you know how I can kind of meander on these conversations. I want you to share a little bit about what your day looks like mm -hmm. in what it means for you to set that life with intention. So what yes. you're talking about, what it looks like practically from your experience. Yes. Uh, for the, the pillars and the long-term goals for the AIM. Yeah. And as how I'm doing it. Yeah, and how it's shifted yeah. for you over yes, the years. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, but Bernie, uh, to be quick, I met him through a friend who was a client. Uh, his name was Len Jaskula. And uh, these guys, um, Len and Bernie and a number of other guys would just get together and they were just thinkers. I think I would call them like the, the, the new age uh, version of the way the philosophers used to get together and just think for days about different things. Um, with no classifications or anything wrapped around it, just like ideas. Um, and what it all culminated in is Bernie coming up with uh, this uh, program called Higher Order Thinking. And uh, when I met Len um, as a client, you know, I started talking to him about how I see fitness in systems, right? And how I recognize this system does this and this affects this and this is how you individualize that, right? It's for progressive and personalized fitness and how it comes in order. And uh, so he said, you'd really like my friend Bernie. And uh, that's how it started off. This was uh, like in 2000. And um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a long, great story. Um, when I first met him, he had uh, a background in the military for many, many years. And so he's used those concepts of systems, of course, in all of his teaching. And, uh, so when we met, it was like love at first sight with, with language and, uh, understanding. Um, and we developed this, um, mentor mentee role that, uh, um, at a period of my life was fantastic because I was just learning about business and like where I fit in, in this whole concept of thing and what is contribution and why would I even care about that right now? And how do I, how do I see beneath all the shit that I'm doing, you know? Um, and he was able to create language for me for that. So that's, you know, a very powerful influence. Um, in return, I took care of him, you know, for his health and giving them and upgrading his life so that he could come up with these great thoughts. And so he could, you know, make mention of things like a couple of weeks in saying, you know, James, I went for a run the other day because he could still run effectively. Um, and he said, I came up with some of these strategies um, that uh, I would not have been able to if I did not have this comp opportunity, you know, so. 
And then in additionally giving him a, a platform, a captive audience through your your coaching certification oh, yeah. courses, which yeah. is how I got to know Bernie. Yeah, yeah, man. If you just think about that as a separate universe, imagine if he had stayed, you know, as the as the person in charge of the the uh, life coaching or the consulting component. I mean, I can just imagine, you know, the the kind of rabbit holes and the the aha moments that coaches would go through if he was still present in all those. Those are fascinating. Yeah. It's a beautiful reflection. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Anyways, it sure. was great. So thanks for asking me about that. Yeah. So anyways, we had a relationship and uh, he passed away, unfortunately, with uh, uh, throat cancer. Um, was it 2012, 2013, I think. Um, I, I do want to recognize. My day. Yeah, you know, but before we do that, I do want to recognize um, one of the, the the components that you, you mentioned before you got to the pillars mm-hmm. that I, I, I don't want it to be brushed over. Mm said, and it's for, it's not just your capabilities, yeah. but it's also for you, yeah. not anyone else. Yeah. Not what doesn't fucking matter what anybody else, yeah. how they uh, look at you, what you think they expect of you. And so just go a little bit deeper into what it means to have that kind of almost personal sovereignty. Like, you know, in a way saying, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about yeah. my fitness because yeah. this is getting me towards what I want to do in 30 years. Yeah. Well, it, it comes after what you're capable of. Right? Mm-hmm. That's an important point. Um, so for you, uh, really has to, yeah, definitely come down to um, at the end of the day, you know, you're going to recognize that it's all worth not if you did it for something else. That's one of the things you could think about. Uh, secondly, it's 2020. And so we're generations deep in thinking that we're supposed to do exercise because it's what people do. You know, so that's another thing that I lean up against those two things. Um, and then, and at the end of the day, um, I just try to get them attached to that so they can see that it's sweeter on the other side when they're responsible for what they've done. Right. We talked about this on the bike ride, how I probably earlier on in my career would love to have like, um, name dropped the Olympic athletes that I work with or NHL hockey players. But I was pretty quick to understand, luckily through my own, not through my peers who didn't teach me that, or sorry, my mentors that didn't teach me that um, in strength conditioning, that um, it's, it's their shit. You know, you're just, you're just giving them ideas and concepts and, you know, opening the door early in the morning for them or whatever, but that's their shit. Um, and it's important that I did that right from the get-go because although it may have pissed a number of people off, because I can come off as being very authoritarian and, and, uh, um, militant in, in my approach to that, but it's because, and, and seemingly, seemingly, seemingly like I don't care. Yeah. Um, it's because I don't, you know, that's, that's the ultimate truth, but I do care about you taking responsibility for this. So it, cause it's very easy for people to get embedded inside of that practice of physical expression over time and then try to come up with something that was, that was under their control that they can blame for it. Right. And so I saw that happen so often based upon these other things too, right? Like, you know, fitness with so fucked up with regards to intention today. Um, people are not connecting it to the fact they want to do it for a long period of time. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I want them to see that it's, it's their shit. So basically that is, is more around not just the sovereignty aspect, but self-responsibility. That's your stuff. So you get to deal with it. And if you decide to not stay consistent, that's your thing. Yeah. And that's the, that's the nuance with the not caring. 
right? Yeah. And I think, I think yeah, you're I right. I care about the relationship. I don't care about them. That's the, In the way, result necessarily. You just, yeah, exactly. For sure. The outcomes, you know, um, and, and that needs some unwinding as well, but that's what we call detached caring. I think we mentioned it on the last podcast as well. Possibly. Um, but, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a powerful concept. Uh, yeah. Lots on that. <laughs> give us a, yeah. Give us a, a kind of a typical day of what intention looks like for you. Yeah. Um, well, it differs, it differs here in Coeur d'Alene. Um, I've been trying to make, um, it's taken a couple of summers, but I've been trying to make my summers, let's call it less intensive for my brain and less work as, as how it's observed for when I'm in Arizona. So when I'm up here, I rise at uh, five-ish. I use the bathroom, drink some water. I sit down. If it's warm enough, I'm outside on the grass down by the water or I'm inside here. I just sit there and reflect for a little bit. I'll do some uh, relaxation basically. Then I'll have breakfast and then I'll go for a longer aerobic piece like a kayak, paddleboard, bike, usually lasting, depending on my day, um, an hour to two hours, you know, just nice and easy. It's out on the water. I'm on the river here. So I get to take in nature and, you know, see the sun coming up. And then I uh, do some uh, mental activities back here, whether that be consulting with our gyms or other coaches or teaching, doing that from afar. Then I do some uh, exercise, some physical expression that would be a little bit more intensive than the stuff in the morning time, you know, just before noon. I may have some stuff in the afternoon that would require consulting or business, you know, activities. Otherwise, I've been trying to read a lot. And so uh, I'll do some of that in the afternoon, like 50, 50 on the, on uh, preparation of meals back in AZ in percentages of who did what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been doing them up here and I really like it. What is it you like about it? Yeah. Great question. There's more to it than just the preparation. I think it's because I'm having a, like a really, a real visual impact on me nurturing and, you know, just also being creative and also practicing what I preach, right? Like, you know, variation of proteins and trying to come up with different kinds of foods and eating locally and making the mass questions like, Oh, what's this? And, you know, so I think that is a, that's been kind of cool. I want to open that up. I think a little bit more when I get back in AZ as part of it, but anyways, there's, there's probably more to that too, but I really enjoy it. It's probably a bit meditative as well. It is. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's lots to that. And I'm glad you asked because I do reflect upon the fact that I'm reflecting on it at times. I'm noticing my noticing right there. Yeah. I'm (laughs) noticing my noticing of it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm glad you asked, but I don't want to hold up the, the flow of the day. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we, we have, do that. Yeah. So we have a, um, uh, supper and, uh, Leanne and I generally just hang out down by the grass after and, um, just chat and, uh, we'll do some evening activities uh, out on the water, the boat, tennis, playing around or whatever. And then, uh, Leanne and I will go for a walk with Lily and we'll come back here and all of us will gather to watch, uh, some outdoor alone amazing race some kind of activity that's what we've been into for past covid a survivor alone amazing race dude amazing know? race our friends back in austin colin and christy were the winners of the colin and christy you know who they you're, are you're killing me oh we're super yeah oh my gosh dude my girls are gonna shit their pants yeah. Well, next time or when pee. you, when you guys, when you guys were in Austin, I'll absolutely make, oh. I'll make that intro. <sighs> they are amazing. I'm not going to tell them about it. Huge heart. Oh dude. I can just imagine. Them. I can just imagine. <laughs> That's so good. How about that? Oh man. That's so good. I'm stuck on that now. Cause I can't believe it, but yeah. 
That's so neat. I'm not going to tell them because if they come down, yeah, they really will pee a little bit okay. if they get to meet them. So Ooh. we're going to set it up. Yeah. Oh, gosh. They live, dude, they live like a we'll mile have the, and a half from we'll us. We'll have the Amazing Race thing set up. We'll race down the street. They'll be there like, what's yes! your clue? <laughs> yes. If they're up for it. Anyways. They will definitely be oh, up for it. They're amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. They're they amazing. Are. There you yeah, go. Yeah. I'm brand. I can imagine. Um, yeah, so, and then we walk Lily, come back home and watch something, and then we uh, relax for the evening and repeat that. You know, in Arizona, it's it's a little bit more structured, mm-hmm. a little bit of a longer day, but I do the AM thing. I come in, I read, research while I'm drinking a coffee uh, at my office, and uh, then work out, and then work, you know, consulting, you know, et cetera, business stuff. In the afternoon, most days of the week, I'm on the floor training with uh, Amanda and Colleen. Um, or just Amanda alone. One days of those week, um, I have a massage, a weekly standing massage with Brandy. End of the day is 2.30 to 4-ish, I guess. And then I come home and the same thing happens in AZ where we're handing off, you know, some of the responsibilities after the day with the girls. They're kind of coming home from school and kind of getting their shit done. And, and we're either hanging outside and trampoline or playing some, doing some shit out back, um, getting ready for supper. Um, supper time is 5-ish. Uh, we've kept our Canadian roots for that. Mm. Um, and then they even either, either have some evening time activities, tennis, uh, soccer, high school stuff, sports, et cetera. Same kind of concept idea, wind down period together. Leanne and I are alone walking with Lily repeat, just wrap that thing over and over. Well, I love the, yeah. the, uh, the wearing different hats, right? The non-traditional you preparing meals. And I yeah. think that we're obviously in an age where that's more common, but I love that you've, it's not uh, out of duty. It's out of feels like really intentional. feels really good for you to actually step into that space and nurture. I remember yeah, I did that uh, uh, two summers ago. I did a ton of cooking and I felt probably the biggest thing about it for me was being able to provide healthy food because up here it's easy to go for us, you know, where we're, where we're at. It's easy for the kids to go get kind of garbagey stuff. Yeah. And they're old enough where it's like they they're they're responsible for for that. They can make yeah. those decisions. But if I can at least provide these yeah. meals for them, yeah, really felt good and purposeful. Yeah, no, I uh, yeah, I think that's uh, I think I've just, as you were saying, I think I hit on some things I like about it as well. Um, I do like the the aspect of the nuclear family, and um, you know uh, we spoke about this last time too, like our our future for Leanne and I is to rewrite history on our own parenting and how we've observed, you know, growing up and how we want to impact these young girls, you know? Um, And so I think that's part of it as well, right? Like what does it, what's the responsibility that you have as a very close mentor, you know, to uh, being a role model for, for, you know, how you both interact and what your relationship is like and how you communicate And so this is also an opportunity with the nurturing or what that looks like. It's an opportunity for me to really step up and, you know, what I, what I would want to do and what I really believe in, I'm going to do it, you know, and I'm, I'm being a part of it. So I think that's another thing that's added to that. It's, is the, uh, is our, you know, we call it hashtag team or team Fitzy. Um, you know, since COVID that's been, you know, super apparent, uh, how you really, you know, you gotta be a team and, uh, yeah. Well, and so you talk about that's role, what I enjoy about it. As well. Yeah, and and I love that you brought up the role model piece too. Uh, I know you know having a daughter myself. Um, I want to show up in a way that gives her a 
what I would argue is a proper model for what to look for in a companion as she's yes, for getting sure. older. And who knows? I mean, yeah. It may be male, female, whatever, but just in yeah. general, like what it means to show up, yeah. both of us, Peyton and I, and uh, that that our role is to actually model behavior, not yes. try to make them as, and I've talked about this before, but not make them little versions of us. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you hit it on the head there with, um, with just, yeah. Assessing and looking at yourself, right. First of all, like how do you carry yourself and how are you, um, cause they're sponges, right? These, these little ones are a lot more like they can't put language to what they know. And they can't, they can't put language or explain as to what they see, but they feel and see all of it because they're super sensitive, right? So that's why there's, you know, even though it may be in your mind, uh, you, could be, you could be giving off stuff that they can sense and feel. So that's why I'm saying you have to get your own shit. And that's why I talk about self-responsibility as a parent or responsibility as a parent. It's a big responsibility. And I call it a responsibility, not a burden. Um, it's a responsibility because I love it as an unbelievable opportunity to see how you're being reflected in your offspring, right? So you, if you, if you do a really good job at fixing your own shit and knowing yourself well and loving yourself, your children will smell that they'll feel it. So it starts there with you. And then if your relationship can grow over time, not just with your wife, but with other people that are close to you, right? Like, you know, for example, a neighbor comes over, right? Um, your children are reading how you are perceiving this entire situation, right? They can't language it. They can't tell you about it, but they can see something going on. They can speak to it deep down, but they just can't like, can't come out of their mouth. I'm making sense. So back to the point of what I picked up on. I love what you said there is you're just role modeling in your relationship so that they can like feel that and understand it. So it doesn't matter. Like you said, they can pick any partner they want, but God damn it. They know exactly what respect is, what communication is how to read and react with situations. What is discomfort? You know, I mean, they, they can navigate as they wish then. And where did they learn that? They learned that in the home, you know? Um, so yeah. Um, thanks for that. Yeah. Well, let's shift gears. Cause one thing came to mind as you were speaking earlier about what training may look like, right? Physical expression. Yeah. So you 2007, right. Is when you won the CrossFit yep. games. Let's just say from five years ago to today, how, how has your, uh, you know, your kind of lens through what you want to do changed or has it, do I have to go back further than five years? Like what? No, no, for sure. Um, you know, I have been, if it's not obvious, I've been, you know, wrapping my mind around physical expression for a long period of time, you know, and living it. So I, you know, I'm constantly trying to like figure out these things that I'm injecting, as I said, as values to what would be higher order for this long lived experience of physical expressions. Right. I've been, I've been doing it every day. And so I've, I've summarized it over time. It's like, you know, you get to practice it. It's this unbelievable opportunity. You get to practice it. Um, and every day you're taking something from it. Um, and it becomes so consistent that I landed on a couple of these things to answer your question as to like how that's changed over the past five years or 10 years is that I love it. So I want to do it all the time. And if I do want to do it all the time, then I have to modify exactly, you know what I'm saying? Like if I want to do it consistently, then they all have to work with one another to give me these unbelievable opportunities for these physical experiences for the rest of my life. Right. 
And I will know along the way if I'm doing it wrong or right, because if I'm consistent and I really feel like I'm still, you know, challenging myself, then it's, then it's, uh, it's in the correct, correct action or correct, I should say, line of action. Um, so I've been trying to do some form of physical expression every day and it's, I classify it as that, right? Sometimes, you know, round of golf could be a form of physical expression mm-hmm. walking with my wife can be a form of physical expression. Uh, snatching, clean and jerking can be a form, you know, it's, I wrap them all together. Um, and I want to do that every day because I love it. And I also know that I get so many good experiences from it, learning from it so I can teach others, teach people about this storyline, right? Yeah. Cause I'm living the story and every year that I go through, I'll be able to go, you know, hand off. This was the, this is a 46 year old story that I can now teach thousands of people about because it's a lived experience for me. Right. Yeah. And so thus far I've, I've been able to speak to the 18 to the 46 year old really clearly because of that, you know what I'm saying? And then use principles of course, from everything further. But, um, yeah, so that's what, that's where I'm, that's how I've shifted over time from the, for your point of, uh, uh, 2007 and and maximal physical expression opportunities as an athlete and transitioning into like, well, you know, what does this mean for you if, you know, you want to do it forever? And how do, how can you, what, what are the things that you really loved about it that you can continue to practice um, that becomes for you, you know? And so I'm, of course, now using my own language that I would teach other people about, but I want to do it all the time. I want to be consistent with it. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I do every day now. I love it, and it, it what lands for me is just the experience of it, and it it brings to mind a a, a quote from Ram Das, and he says, you know, you're you're here, you're in, you're you're at you're at this school, you know, you might as well take the curriculum, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what you're doing. You're like, I I'm here. What do I like? I love physical expression. Mm-hmm. What parts of that do I like? Do I love? Yeah. Let's do those. Yeah, not what I'm should be doing or could yeah. be doing. Yeah. Um, but it's really anchored into what feels good. And I'm curious, do you actually program out for yourself? Or do you just tune in every day? Like, this is what I feel like doing. Yeah. Uh, well, I definitely just get in there and figure it out. But I'm not going to lie that I don't think about, you know, some maybe some little things, call them in the subconscious department that do I do think about long out. Because I remember I am I am still connecting to like, me being able to do this when I'm 80 something, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, but you're not getting the whiteboard out and saying these no. through the days. It's just, you're just no. tuning yeah, yeah. into the body. Yeah. What it feels like what I've done, yeah. what I want to do yeah. going forward. And, and it's important to know why I don't do that. Remember I've written tens of thousands of programs, so I, I don't need to actually put it up there. Like it's Rolodexed, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Right. So I don't need to go through that practice. Um, just in case people are like, oh, he doesn't need to do it. I don't need to do that. Well, you know, you're going to, you're going to be lost a little bit if you don't have those principles and strategies that are in place for it. Um, but yeah, I just kind of feel it out. Um, see how it goes. Um, you know, day by day, like today I did, uh, some, um, hang dumbbell snatches and cycling, a bike erg. And, uh, I tore my thumb. Look at that. You know, I got some bruises to go with it. Um, go. but no, just as an example, this is a little, this is a little, um, story. Um, you know, I wouldn't be able to do those tomorrow, you know? So it's something to think about there is like, okay, well, you just did something that was, you know, not necessarily planned when you went in there. I just felt it. I was like, oh, okay. And I've done this idea before of doing 20 of something and 20 of something in a 20 minute cap. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, let's go walk in there. 2020 do it. Um, 
And then on the end, I come out, I was like, okay, I think about these things. Is that sustainable? Is I capable of doing it? And I see this little rip in my hand. I'm like, well, you just did maybe 30, 40, 50 more dumbbell snatches than you've ever done before. So this does make sense. But it speaks to this, like, if this is a little tear, right? So what I'm saying is that I can't do these bigger tears if I truly want to make this consistent. Mm-hmm. So imagine if I like tore my ACL, you know, see the difference there. So I know that's more intense, but that's the, that's the concept of how you need to go into it or how I, I shouldn't say that, how you need to go, how I go into it is with mm. this idea of like, I want to do this. I want to do more of it. So now tomorrow, you know, just to my point, I won't do dumbbell snatches, <laughs> hang dumbbell snatches. Um, and I probably won't do something as intensive. So that's how I kind of just allow it to, to flow. Um, and, uh, when it feels good, I go after it and, uh, yeah. All right. Now I had, I had mentioned this earlier. I do, I do want to speak to women, mm-hmm. right. And, um, let's just take the avatar again, the, the 35 to 50 year old, you know, woman in your experience, like what are some of the things that you're seeing them maybe struggle with and what are you able to kind of sh- shine some light in that helps them reorient mm-hmm. these same things that, yeah. that you're talking about with the pillars? What does it look like? Yeah. There's a difference, right? I mean, yeah, there's, there's some, some nuance. Yeah, there's some, it was, that's the first thing I thought of. It's like, it's not tremendously different, but because we're going to cohort it or place it as a, as an avatar, um, I would say, um, it's really trying to figure out, uh, where they fit in for love and acceptance in, in this entire experience. That's what, that's my lens, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm definitely not, uh, a psychologist. I don't, I don't uh, practice that during the day. Um, but when it comes down to it, because I, I have like language to speak about it, um, I, I put, I put females on that continuum of working on this, this journey of it being less logical and rational and like, you know, one, two, three, four, knock it off and get it done mission driven. And I put it in the category of, um, um, experience and, um, and journey oriented and loving the process oriented, um, and trying to reach these higher order goals of acceptance and love and radiance. And that's how I, that's my lens back room, which I come into every consultation with, with this group core you're talking about. And then I just say to myself, how far are they away from how I'm perceiving? They want to build towards that, right? And get towards that. And I've spent lots of time on my own accuracy on that too. Just be like, well, you're completely off. That's not what you should use as a base support. <laughs> and it's like, well, fuck, who fucking cares? Like my, my intentions are correct. And this is what I've done. I don't know, 8,000 times. So let me speak to it a little bit. And it's uh, and then I take like, you know, what's common. So if you're talking 30 to 50 years of age, then uh, that means that they've been born in, you know, 70 to 90, right? Correct. Yeah. Sure. 70 to 90. So 1979. So then you have to say, well, as a, as a group generalization, um, they've grown up in a certain age, you know, and they've grown up in this technological revolution where it at their age, whether it be 15, this, this, you know, informative, really, you know, massive changes that happen in their life from 15 to 25 years of age. The, the base support for culture and society is really fucking different, you know, really fucking different, meaning different than years gone by and different than all the base support that we use for, you know, what a, what a great, what a great life is. Um, and some of these things that are, you know, really interesting I find is, um, um, later stage on averages of getting pregnant, 
an opportunity to uh, to see exactly what this um, balancing of hormones means past a uh, 40, 45, 50 years of age, because there's now medical interventions and lifestyle and and unbelievable things that they can, uh, well, they and all of us can place inside of the the health and fitness continuum that can extend that out really beautifully, like comfortably and wonderfully and et cetera. Um, and so like those what, are for example, great medicine and uh, great health and fitness practices that over time have made this period of transition uh, when hormones start changing, you know, in for, for, for menopause, it's like, I like to say it's like within two days and for males, andropause can take eight years. So just to give you an example, that's not true, but that's my point is that, you know, hormonal fluctuations and changes like that for them, uh, for what we're calling resisting entropy, um, happens like very quickly in, in a timeline of comparison to males where, you know, our levels of hormones and, you know, how we get to work with things extends out. That's a whole other interesting point on evolution and, and exactly how that's set up. But, um, so, so I think about those two things mainly as a base support for that, or sorry, not as a base support, but just of you know, su- of super interest. And I take that into the into the consultations as a whole, you know, alongside this whole concept of like, uh, where are they sitting on this pathway towards radiance and love and acceptance? And then I just try to put, you know, whatever this physical experience and physical fitness thing can wrap inside of that. Now, in some cases, um, this is where it's not different than males. In some cases, it's uh, self-perception. So uh, love of oneself, thinking that physical fitness or all these things is going to uh, allow more love for self. So whatever whatever they do, whatever they experience in, uh, they may feel that they're going to be perceived differently based upon either the actions or the outcomes of that. So I try to, um, you know, just uh, work my dialogue and conversation magic around getting them to understand that it's really not going to change that much. And um, we want to like set our sights on the correct intentions. And if I, if we do build a deep enough relationship, maybe we can go back and say things like, where did that come from? Like, who told you that you need to be that? Or who said that you need to be this particular thing? Or, you know, who said that this is, this is the way. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I stop there. I've seen uh, from just my kind of anecdotally noticing, uh, a, seems to be a lot of overtraining, almost based around that idea of perception of if I'm doing this, then this is how I'm perceived as, you know, I'm taking care of myself. But then in a lot of cases, they're not seeing the changes they want Mm -hmm. because of the overtraining potentially and some other things. And so can you just unpack that a little bit, what that may look like? Yeah. um, Well, or I guess the importance of rest and recovery. Yeah. Just, yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, I think it, uh, I think it backs up to intentions, right? So let's just, let's just talk about um, just ask the hard questions or the actually the real simple ones, but ones that we kind of just don't stop with and pause and reflect on. So you're 35 to 50, you're female. Why are you exercising? Why are you doing fitness? Why are you, you know, physically exerting yourself? Um, why are you really challenging yourself physically? Why are you showing up to that every day? So sit with those questions and don't just, don't just stop with, well, you know, that's, you're going to, you're, you're going to end up getting to the point back to your point of saying, you know, observing, overreaching, not understanding work and rest. I don't think it's actually particular to this audience. I don't think it is, but I do think what is, what is particular to this audience 
is possibly, and this is probably the systemic systemic issue, meaning the fitness zeitgeist hasn't opened up everyone's eyes to this opportunity for these females 35, 50 years age to say things like, you know, have you thought about why you're doing any physical expression? Like, why are you going to the gym or why are you doing any form of physical expression? Right. And I think that's where we may want to land things back to my previous point, because then they start, you know, then they start recognizing, yeah, I'm going about this all for the wrong reasons. Right. Got it. I'm just trying to fix something, fix something that's broken possibly or try to numb something or run from something. And then this concept of work and rest comes up, which I find is actually, it's futile to actually talk about work and rest because we haven't gotten back to talk about what's the fucking intentions. Like, why are you actually doing this? Right. And again, this is, uh, you know, it's a, (laughs) it's, this is the pause that I'm having here in the pain you can feel in me is how exhausted I am of trying to coach other coaches inside of this fucked up fitness model, right? That's why, because when I say it, it's like so easy for you and me to sit in a fucking room and talk about it, but to like move that out to get coaches to discuss it with these females is so fucking exhaustingly hard, right? So the system doesn't support it. Um, and I'm not going to go on a deep tangent here, but the, the system doesn't support it. Meaning, you know, we can't even have an opportunity for that female to sit down at 38 years of age and for 90 minutes, just talk to someone and have someone listen to them. The system's not there for it. Right. So everyone's like, Oh, you know, Janice has got a great coach. Uh, you know, Susan's got a great coach. It's like, maybe they didn't need, maybe they're just, you know, maybe they're just in a good spot. Right. But if we're talking about the majority of individuals that have effed up intentions in there, i.e. the thing you're talking about overreaching is whatnot, the system is not set up to just sit down and talk and be like, why are you really doing this? Right. Instead of like, well, we got this class in 10 minutes. So let's just maybe talk about macros or, Mm. you know, what's the, you know, how are we going to lose that weight? It's like, that's so lower order you know, in, in the context of the whole thing. So back the fuck up and just, uh, have the space and time to sit down with this group, um, and say things like, like, why are we really doing this? No, really? Why are we really doing this? Oh, because you know, I'm going to be healthy. You think this shit's going to be healthy? Who told you that? Mm. Now let's now let's stick with this. And so even that point there, right, the competency and education of the skills that go inside of physical fitness and its expression, that may take months to talk to someone about. Am I making sense? Like it may take two months to teach someone that, right? So you have to have the system set up to like sit down and have these conversations or to allow it play out and go, do you see, right? We're a couple of weeks in and uh, you're now starting to recognize, right, what we're talking about, right? How we're going to connect this to like a long-term thing and et cetera. Right. And now I can start, now I can start blending it into what's a big priority for you. Once we get those deepest priorities set. And this is what you guys do. Well, this is what we attempt to do. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm not going to say that we're super successful at it, um, for, for multiple other reasons, but I think we have the principles in place for coaches to like, take it and kind of play with it. But I do think there's a, there's a significant amount of challenges that come because of the, the, you know, the construct of what we call this uh, fitness thing today. Well, in a practical matter, where can people reach out to you guys and your team to start this 
process to start the, this relationship? Yeah, well, uh, you can meet with an OPEX coach, a coach that's been uh, through OPEX CCP. At least they'll have the principles in mind of consulting and building a relationship and creating an open space with no judgment um, and allowing you to derive and figure out what your biggest priorities are. And then, and then they'll add some like, you know, wisdom and, and some competency pieces to that so that you can navigate that thing going forward. Specifically for this group, again, that's what I was saying is that um, I really do think they need more dialogue and conversation um, and to really back up and talk about intentions, intentions of fitness. Um, and then it'll just allows them to, you know, express and do what they want to do. Um, Back to the permission to, piece. To for just, sure. For yeah. sure. So and you how can many, see that's one and the same. It's, it's very similar, but um, I would just say for that particular uh, group, it, uh, it needs to be more supportive. Um, um, it needs to be a uh, um, more team-based, more collaborative. Um, these are the words that I would use for, you know, a positive focus. Whereas in a, in a deepest male masculine sense, it can be very freedom based, mission based, and, uh, you know, just knock the pieces off one, two, three, four, and get out there and go get them, yeah. you know, and it can be still be the same success, but you can see they're in different, different buckets. How many, how many coaches do you have kind of in the system under the CCP? Well, uh, well, I think we're getting close to 4,000 that have gone, that, uh, that are have entered into, maybe not have completed, but have entered into and, uh, done most of, uh, OPEC CCP. Um, and I do, I mean, that's what my, my job is. Um, we have cohorts that go on four times a year now. Okay. Yeah. Where I work with these, uh, coaches, uh, um, and, uh, they're from all around the world, um, 50 to 80, 90 coaches in a cohort. Um, uh, we have a goal of, of, well, I have a personal goal of having 400 coaches go through this year. It looks like we're going to do that. So I'm, uh, I'm happy about that. Um, yeah, man. Cause I, uh, that's, that's how I go to sleep at night. Feeling good is, uh, that I'm, you know, sending these humans out that are, that are good critical thinkers and they came through my education and I feel like I've had some kind of an impact because, uh, um, I couldn't do it by myself and, um, and now I get to, you know, teach them some of those things. So I go to, I go to bed knowing that they know now. So for example, the avatar of the females, they're going to, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about those things so that when they get into a consulting situation and they have that, you know, avatar presented in front of them, they now are centered with principles, right? They're like all this shit Rolodex going through their head, right? Born in 1978, two children right now. Goals are this, this is the future. <laughs> These are the basics. You know, this, all this shit comes into it, right? As a competency, right? Before she's ever mentioned that first thing, right? These, these principles come into it. So then now they're thinking about things like open space, listen, be collaborative. You see how they like, because they've learned it. It's not just like, oh, every person's the same. And it's like, you know, this is the things. Here's NEPA, one, two, three, four, ask yeah. questions about AIM, yeah. <laughs> do the in-body, out the door. You know, it's, like, it's not like that. You know, there's, there's some principles to that group. So, yeah. And just last point on it too. I think, I think that's what's going to end up happening is uh, long-term, I really see OPEC's um, um, 
you know, developing, developing a pathway where we understand uh, those cultural and social things, you know, on a deeper level for fitness coaches. I really would love that we continue to move towards that direction. Um, and because it, it really speaks to the heart of individualization, of course, and personalization. Um, and I think that comes from me just being surrounded by the feminine spirit and the feminine for my entire life. Right. I had an older sister, a younger sister. Um, you know, I used to give my sister recommendations on what she should wear on Friday nights. And I used to braid my younger sister's hair and I, you know, um, I remember rubbing my, you know, older sister's back whenever she wanted it. Um, you know, we used to hang, yeah. So I, I was wrapped around that and now I have two young girls, beautiful wife, you know, um, most of my clients, I would probably say, man, we're it's getting high into the 60% of the thousands and thousands of people that I work with, um, were, were females. Um, I've always had a, a really, you know, deeply embedded, uh, piece for that. So I just wanted to finish with that to, to, uh, to say that I hope our future continues to think about some of the things you're asking and, and wrap some good principles around it, but also it just makes sense because they've always been around me. Yeah. Well, in curious, uh, and we haven't even talked about this yet, but what, what have you seen as the, the impact of where we are now with COVID and gyms closing and obviously your system is set up for individualized coaching. Um, so what, like what, give us a kind of a snapshot about what you see today and maybe how it may unfold in the months year to come. Yeah, man, so much. Um, I really don't think, I really don't think that the, the overarching behaviors in fitness are going to change that much. I don't think this is enough or any form of impact to really change that much. You know, what it looks like on the other side, I think it might be a little down and then right back to like regularity, you know, um, it's not a new normal. It's the normal in perspective of like, and this is, that's a generalized statement for fitness, fitness behaviors, the zeitgeist, right? The, what I'm, what the energy I'm feeling from the behaviors in fitness, yep. something like this is not going to change people's intentions. Sure. You know, just maybe a couple of us talking on Facebook. Yeah. We're like, Oh, what right. really matters? A few, no. few more pieces of equipment at home. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's still, uh, you know, I like to joke about it. The Pelotons are just going to turn into the treadmills of the eighties, right? Just put your clothes on it and then go, you know, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So not, not much is going to change, uh, based upon that. Um, it, it's, it's highlighted just how much in, in the overall fitness landscape, you know, health and fitness coaches have absolutely, you know, no, you know, real nugget impact in society. Um, we have no say, you know, our value is fairly low. Um, and this is, remember, this is generalized, right? So I know someone listening is like, they got, they got the odd story of a coach who's like really pushing the energy out there and doing some positive things. I get it. That's, that's fantastic. But I'm just speaking reality that, um, it's just alarming through this period of time, just how, just how devalued the fitness coach is. Um, and there's lots of reasons for that, but I'm just saying that that's the noticing. Um, you know, this, people talk about, uh, agility, um, you know, just because we're in a technological information age, you know, COVID has happened and what I want people to think about just so you can say, oh, they were agile and online training's big. And this is definitely going to be something in the future is that imagine that this happened in 1983, you know, what would you do then? So you're still not changing human relationships. This is the point. So, it, you know, you're dehumanizing 
the whole fitness relationship, you know, concept by, you know, virtue signaling the fact that you're agile and you're changing and you're getting ready for, you know, what the future holds, right? Um, digitally. Um, but we still have such analog history that um, it's wrapped inside of like this right here, real human relationships and being together with other people that um, I just want, I just want to put, ask people to put the brakes on on what they think that this seminal moment of six or seven months of being locked at home is going to open up this whole new landscape of fitness being digital and fitness online. Um, just pump the brakes a little bit on that one. Um and just know where you sit on that because if you're seemingly thinking that you're agile and, you know, you're, you're operating and, you know, you're being ready for the future, et cetera, uh, it's not going to look like this in the future. So what are you going to do now? So just be careful of where you put all your, your things in the boat to float that puppy when uh, in uh, four months it may go right back to, to, to square one. Um, and we have been in the digital space for a long time. So it, 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 it it impacted us just in different ways. You know, it was somewhat positive because we were able to help this new, you know, I got to be agile and I got to figure out some of this online stuff. So we were in that space. We we're like, oh, we can help you out. Here's some things you want to think about. And a lot of people were very happy about it, right? Um, and we recognized, holy shit, a lot of people have no clue as to how to operate that thing. Uh, but we haven't pulled any triggers on kind of, you know, deviating towards what we really believe in, which is in-person relationships and getting coaches like really bought into that. Gotcha. Right. We're still sticking hard on that. Um, but we've had uh, still a great uh, influx of coaches wanting to do CCP. Um, some of our gyms closed, our OPEX gyms closed. Um, as a percentage, I would say it's relatively fairly low overall, mm -hmm. but they closed due to uh, really reasons that made sense, right? Um, based upon people not being able to come into the facility, the agility of being able to coach those people, not wanting to be online for a long period of time, you know, just maybe other things in the area that caused uh, the, their inability to withstand like a four, five, six month process of not having a gym open. But otherwise, our gyms have been great because we already had an embedded individual relationship inside because we're not group um, and we're also not live personal training. So that means that if it goes digital, we can, we're very adaptive, right? Mm -hmm. So if the gym stops and no one keeps coming in, that client can work out at home or somewhere else. And our coaches in our OPEX gyms are still giving them programs, consulting with them on behaviors and exercise and nutrition. So you can see the relationship maintained. It's just that we weren't going to be in this physical space with them for, you know, a period of months. So we were, we were capable of moving through that. So I just gave you, you know, a brief synopsis of my feelings around this whole COVID thing and fitness. Um, and then secondarily how it's impacting OPEX and, and we're, uh, we're doing pretty good. We're very, uh, very grateful. And, uh, but we know that we were in this space and an early adopter to the digital concept and working online for a long period of time. So it wasn't that, uh, it's not challenging. Perfect synopsis. Let's now bring up nutrition. Mm -hmm. And we had this conversation last night. I was asking about the carnivore diet because I'm mm -hmm. curious about it. And, and in G perfect James fashion, you changed it from a conversation about the carnivore diet and just in kind of a more general conversation. So yeah. I'd love for you to speak to carnivore, keto, whatever these things are, right? And why they benefit people early on and, and what is basically... What is it the baseline of, of all these kind of principles? Yeah, um, I, I go about looking at either one of those uh, diets that you had mentioned as a, uh, as a pluses and the minuses and the unknowns um, with 
a clear definition with the person that's interested in it of what the beacon is. So, and that's how I back up and kind of formulate my thinking as to how I'll respond to your comment, your question of like, well, what do you think about the carnivore diet? Um, so I just go down a list of things that it could be very positive about it and just take any diet. What's very positive about it, right? Um, could be satiety, uh, could be an increase of really good forms of fats, right? Especially based upon the sourcing you get it from. Um, you could have, uh, you'd been, you know, too low on protein that could have resulted in amino acids and changes in other things that are happening in your body. Um, you could have been on a sugar rush for 20 years and never really recognized it. So it's, so I'll just give you that, you know, this little snippet example for, uh, for that. Um, and what are the minuses of it? Well, you don't get to uh, taste sourdough bread when it's fresh with butter. <laughs> you know, like that's just it's a funnier example, but uh, th that's a beautiful lived experience, you know. So, um, but and there's a bunch of other things that are positive health, you know, things that you you don't get experience with that, uh, like sweet potatoes or a shit ton of spinach. And as a point I mentioned to you, it's like. Um, if you're like, oh no, 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 they, you still have vegetables and it's like, well, it's not a fucking carnivore diet, <laughs> <laughs> you know, basically now you're reducing it down to like, oh yeah. And they have nuts too. Okay. And fucking seeds, yeah, <laughs> grains. Oh, so it's basically just a regular diet and you have a big steak every couple of days. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's and like supposed to picture the steak. Oh yeah. It's like carnivore is like, well, just a second now. Uh, so the minuses and then the unknowns, right? Like, uh, which I appreciate the doctor who you mentioned was uh, going Paul through Saladino. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there is some unknowns, but, but that should, you know, that shouldn't be worry based. That should be like, well, it could open up some new concepts to blood sugar management and, um, and, uh, possible, uh, you know, rehabilitation from a disease state. Um, et cetera. So there's pluses and minuses and unknowns to all of them. And then it has to become individualized, right? And so you have to take a real, uh, let's wide and skeptical lens of all those, right? And say, you know, is it, uh, how's this connected? As I said, the second point to the beacon, what I mean by the beacon is like, you have to then you have to get to a base support of why we're fueling ourselves, Right. So you, we, we need to turn the intentions of food being information that's going to help us live the highest lived experience. And we're stopping at the point of like, well, it's making me leaner or not be sick. And that's where people are stopping. And we're wrapping all of our energy into that. Right. So how about you? How about you said it this way? If your number one, if your biggest intentions for everything that you eat has to lead to this long-term thing around great cognition, physical function, and living a really deeply purposeful life with great relationships and just an unbelievable lived experience for 40 years. What does that diet look like now? You know, so then, so then you may see, well, maybe the carnivore, keto, vegetarian, whatever, that may fit in to people, but let's just remember about sustainability, how long it's going to last, or the behaviors inside that's going to last you a long period of time. Not just the cherry picking evidence around each one that you could just like stick on for four years or five years and then realize over time is like, oh, okay, that didn't work. So, you know, without sounding like I'm just wrapping, you know, around without picking on just, or just speaking about one particular diet in itself, there's a time and a place. And uh, you just got to be careful of saying that it's taking care of or fixing a shitty lifestyle when really you can just fix your lifestyle, right? So if, if you embed and I, I'm going to, you know, I don't want, I want to, I want to 
you know, upfront apologize to just use the carnivore diet as an example, but some people may do that and it may make people fucking really vital and healthy. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. Uh, but why? Why? So in a lot of the cases, I would say from my, what I've seen, a lot of people go from treating themselves like shit and putting bad information inside themselves. So whatever they do, <laughs> you know, they could have chosen vegetarian, right? Just to, just to be a, a skeptic yep. of the concept is, so why is that better? And so you can, you can, you know, virtue signal all you want around protein and quality protein and et cetera and satiety and whatever, but you can get the same thing from vegetarianism, but we're forgetting that someone was just in a ton of like turmoil, metabolic turmoil and lack of cognition and not shitting for four days, you know, consistently and thought it was normal and lots of gas and bloating and whatnot. I was like, Oh, this is life. That's not fucking life. And then they just eat meat once a night and they're like, dude, fucking feel so mentally acute and I'm leaner. And I got all this energy. It's like, yeah, no fucking, no doubt, dude. You know, you just went from a minus three to a plus three in a couple of weeks. Right. And, but this is what I make people think about, right? This plus seven that you can get to needs to be attained through a more holistic plan because it has to, it has to embed into that, what we call the beacon. What's the long-term strategy? What's the long-term strategy? I don't fucking care about 12 weeks in a metabolic ward and what it showed based on, I fucking don't care. That's not life. And that's not individualizing it for the person on what the long-term strategy is. What's the long-term strategy? I'll back up. Cognition, locomotion, perception, and resilience, which I put into, I'm, I'm hijacking that, by the way, from, um, I forget the group, but the, it's STEM. It's the same thing that I talked about. You want to think real good thoughts. You want to be able to physically function and you want to live the largest life possible. So whatever you do for food, that has to feed that. So you see what I'm saying? It could be carnivore, it could be keto, whatever, but that, that's going to go in that direction and it has to be sustainable for a long period of time. Sorry, I was verbose on that, but we walked around a bunch of different no, things based perfect. on our conversation you, that last was night. A, that was a great unpacking okay. and, and I love uh, the point you made about like, like, like this carnivore may work for you, but we, we don't know if vegetarianism would have worked for you because you did the, you can only do one. Yeah. You can only choose yeah, exactly. one if you're going to choose. Yeah. And so we don't know maybe the, 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 the metabolic numbers and all that would have been better on something else. We just don't know. Yeah. And what you're saying there is really, I hope people pick up on that. We have to spend more time on deciding upon what works for you means. We've stopped at lacks disease and makes people leaner. That's where we've stopped. Mm -hmm. We've stopped at that. And we've really come to this conclusion on scientific evidence of specific macronutrients over a period of time and using physics as saying, oh, well, I mean, that's the answer. It's just that is the answer, right? But maybe people don't want to lose weight. Maybe people don't want to just ward off disease. Maybe individuals want to do this for 50 years. Maybe they want to learn things that they can teach others about it. Maybe they want to um, think better thoughts. You know what I'm saying? And that, that strategy then changes up our entire intention around what goes into your, your foods. And then that's going to lead to a positive path as well. Anyone that I've sent on that intention has generally end up like, um, talking about animal husbandry and doing like some real positive, deep research on climate connections to things and deep research on, uh, the impact of, uh, soil erosion and like these really 
I think positive, but it become you know, you're, it becomes self-evident to you as to what path you're going to choose because you become educated, right? Why? Because I embedded this concept that it's more than losing weight and it's more than uh, just warding off disease, right? We gotta, we gotta unpack it and build a better story for that. So it's very similar to how I talk about it in fitness, but I think nutrition is the same way. They're both stimuli and in, in information that comes in, and we want to have a better intention as to, as to how we do that. And, and, and don't just stop at, yeah, but this was observed in 12 weeks and people lost weight, so that's the answer. Come on, man. Come on. Weight's the only answer? Come on. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah, man. All right, so you I do have good shits on, a, on an individualized diet. <laughs> Carnivore too, I would imagine. I know when I eat a big steak, for, it's firm. Well, and, for you, yeah, for you, some people it plugs them up. You know, it's just, again, it's individualized. The microbiome takes sometimes uh, days, weeks, months for some people to change. So transitioning into into a new diet is like brand new for folks. Um, sometimes the protein is just too much of an overload; they can't break it down uh, effectively. So, yeah, it's different for everyone. All right. So, but I'm just, you know, injecting that concept that we need to uh, think a little bit more about the, the toilet bowl being a lab for us as humans, right? Just take a little bit more of a look at that. Yeah. Do you have any good resources for that? Yeah. Um, Paul Check's book, How to yeah. Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. That was a classic one. He just makes it so humorous. It the poop, just poopy police. Yeah. Poopy policeman. Um, yeah. And we talk about that in, in CCP as well. So, uh, we do have some, free resources on opexfit.com. People can go and get from that. Uh, we use some basic models to start people off, but at least we're, we're I would say, pushing the, the energy to make this a less uh, personal topic. You know how it's so personal to not talk about it? Yeah. Um, and as you can imagine, trying to, you know, spend the time with someone to get to that point where they feel comfortable in discussing it, like assessing it and seeing it and going, oh, this is, it floated and this is the color, this is the scent and analyzing it. Um, because that, you know, just a, it's, it's a perfect picture. It's a perfect report card that we've been turning our back on just to hit on this just shit point that you Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just while we're on that point, what else is, you know, for people listening, how else, what other resources are available, you know, with or, OPEX fit and, and. Oh my gosh. Well, just go there to the website. There's a lot of free stuff that depending upon where you are as a, as a coach or just a participant in the in the fitness landscape, we have a number of different things there that are free. Um, I would say there's enough great, good, free shit in there now that it could set you on your way. Mm. Like it really could. You can get some principles in there for you, sit with it for a while. It can, it can really set you up for some success because we talk about basic lifestyle guidelines, you know, of honoring, you know, uh, rhythm, energy, purpose, and, and balance. Um, and then uh, we, we give out some great things that people can do on their own to get them towards this autonomous function. And that's where I'm at. We started working together, I think, in 09. Oh, yes. Yeah. It was around 09. And the, the shitty handstand push-ups pre-regional <laughs> Yeah, that's what brought story. me to you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, here I am feeling fairly autonomous. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. I, would, I would say you're on, your, you're on, a, um, you're on a, a deep uh, cognitive uh, path at the current time. You have had lots of physical experiences um, that have acted as an unbelievable base support to help you now navigate through this cognition journey. Um, and let's call it spiritual journey. Um, that I don't think if you had all those physical practices, you'd be able to spend these years 
just trying to figure out these concepts, you know, and, and dig in on the brain and dig in on consciousness and dig in on thoughts. Um, and, uh, you know, I would, if I was to just think about a future, you are going to, to use your words, you're going to learn how to integrate more physical stuff that's going to be connected to all the shit that you've been learning right now over the past decade or so for cognition and, and, um, emotions and things like that. So I look forward to that. I look forward to doing that with you. I feel that too. Uh, I've often thought about it recently because I haven't, as you know, I haven't trained much and, but I feel really good. And I think yeah. it's that base support, as you said, of the years yeah. of doing it, that it's allowed me the the bandwidth to start to go into those thoughts more yeah. and spend less time so and so, you know, in exercise. Yes. Yes. On what we call exercise, right? A physical expression. But, um, but it is something for people to think about is you want to, you know, and that's just your essence, right? And you're going to spend your time there. You're going to go for it, right? And you're going to, wrap your hands around it and try to get the the most out of it. Um, and that requires a great base support. And so you did have a good physical base support, lots of physical experiences and, and uh, you're capable of going there, but you are going to have to over time integrate it back. Yeah. That's, Which you'll have time for. In the, you just brought up something for me. There's the three things I want to finish with. Okay. So just give everybody a heads up three things. I want to talk about stranger in a strange land. Is that fucking... <laughs> So it sounds so cool. So, I, but I love because it's it's what we talk about with we come in with this conditioning. So, what does it look like without it? Yeah. So I'm fascinated. Yeah. I haven't read the book yeah. yet, but James has. Or have you finished it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just we'll talk about that. Uh, I actually want to talk just briefly about what we talked about yesterday about plant medicines and that base support. Mm-hmm. Because you're just talking about base support that I have right now, moving into this kind of more spiritual realm. Yeah. Um, for a lot of people who are curious about plant medicines, mm-hmm. uh, they're going in, maybe looking for a peak experience, maybe thinking they're going in for the right reasons, but they don't have anything on the back end to support that. They don't have the foundation. So they go through this experience and there's almost zero chance of integration of the, what they've maybe could pull from that particular yeah. plant medicine experience. Yeah. And so just, I mean, I think, just speaking to that a little bit, like what a foundation, why it's so important when you're going into something like a plant medicine journey. Yeah. Uh, why it's important to have your shit together. Yeah. And it's a common theme we've talked about all, all kind of podcast long, but why it applies to something like plant medicine. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I don't want to sound like I also know a lot about it. You know, I want to be clear on that. Um, we also want to maybe point people in the direction of that French neuroscientist who's doing the work with, uh, um, we'll just categorize them in medicine. You said he was on Sam Harris's? Yes, and others. But I remember the one on Sam, because Sam asked some really critical questions, right? And, um, you know, it's not nothing people don't know, but, um, you know, if if people have some, you know, early um, uh, points of uh, psychosis or some issues around that going in, it's probably not going to be a good idea. Um, and some people are don't even know that's the case. Just think about that too. They're not like, you know, diagnosed in any way, shape or form. Um, in the model for that. Um, it's been very successful for some people, which I love the concept of it because this neuroscientist explains it in a way that makes sense in a material world for me as to how it helps with traumatic brain injury and, and post-traumatic stress disorder, which would be, you know, just great examples to say, you know, well, why does that work for that group? Um, and I think that's what ties into what, what your, my interest was. It is uh, this possibility of opening up this access to a pathway of a different avenue. 
And for some people who have either injuries like physical injuries or some rewiring that needs to take place, sometimes that access will never come through their own natural rehabilitative meditative state measures. So it has to come from an external source that's going to act upon what's happening in the brain that's going to open up these pathways to decrease trauma, to decrease whatever's going on in that, that area. And of course, I'm speaking to it generally because I'm, I'm just positing why, you know, uh, people would do it. And I'm and also positing, you know, a theory around why people are interested in it. And when I hear speak, people speak about it, um, like we'll use Joe Rogan or Sam Harris, which I really appreciate on their behalf, uh, they, they say, you know, it's not for everyone, you know, and I think they need to open that up some more. Right. And I think there needs to be more conversation on that because it's, it's very easy to now use this. So it falls into the same category as it did with Timothy Leary back in like late eighties, early nineties, sixties, sixties, sorry. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, sixties, right. Um, where, you know, uh, it, people are just using it to fix a broken lifestyle. Right. And especially in an age where, um, you know, uh, physical expression is becoming less and less a part of the vernacular. Um, and, uh, and we're in an information technological age and it's heavily cognitive driven. Um, I really do think that way too many people are stepping into this experience without living first. So, I, and this is why we talked about the Robert Heinlein and Michael Valtine, Michael Smith, the Martian that came to earth and didn't have this construct of a lived experience and therefore um, had access to what was inside of his brain and so how we could that, use it. That's the only way I can think about it. So okay, I have, so slow I have, it down though. Just explain just so this is the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Stranger Strange Land is just, just the concept of making you open your mind as a sci-fi to this Martian who comes to earth and is not, has not been embedded in our belief structure, how we see the world and how we operate. But so is in human form. Is human form, right? So he has, and throughout, this is, you know, it could be super lengthy, but I'll just make it short of it. He has access to what we're seeing in what people speak about during these experiences on plant medicines. Okay. So he, you know, and of course they blow it up in the book of things that he can do, but the way that Robert Heinlein puts it in language, it actually is the same, as I mentioned, it's the same language as people talk about in a spiritual journey, right? Um, and I, I would even cause it in a, in a real heavy, deep religious divine experience, right? They speak of it in the exact same language. My whole point being is that I'm, I'm, I just, uh, this is my lens on an outside looking in. I see way too many individuals, what we'll, we'll call hacking it. They're trying to hack life and hack a lived experience and not bear the burden of tough, challenging experiences of life and, um, and turmoil and, um, and joy and, um, getting to a place where you can think really good thoughts and have whatever we'll call is, you know, a cliche term bliss in most hours of your life that are lived through the most natural means possible. So I, I do really think that it's possible. It is possible to get to these really deep levels of thought and experience and not necessarily always through a medicinal approach, right? I think what 
I really appreciate appreciate about the people that have a great base support of a lived experience. And I'm just making that sound very small, but there's a lot in that too. Um, but they come away with it by saying, which is great for um, our, uh, you know, I call them mentors and leaders and people that we look up to. They tell us things that give us hope, hope around, um, you know, access uh, based upon what we can get access to and what we can think about and strategize and organize in our thoughts. Now, we're, we've only been practicing this, you know, concept of it in deep practice for 30, 40, 50 years, right? Where Buddhists and, you know, others may have been doing it for a long period of time, mm-hmm. where we actually are seeing what we would what we would call in large groups without plant medicines, some transformation of thoughts and transformations of behaviors. And like, you know, some really, you know, it would be considered woo-woo changes in people. But what did they do? They sat, they were present, they looked at their thoughts, they watched them pass by, they didn't judge them, they, they asked questions as to who's the observer, where does this come from, how did all these things come to be, et cetera, and nothing, there was no, in, no exogenous source that, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, am I saying that, you know, a whole ton of people can get there? I'm just positing that we're trying to speed up that opportunity for more people to fast track this lived experience, and they're jumping from a um, a shitty lifestyle, and I'm just being brunt on that. I apologize if it like triggers people, but a shitty lifestyle, and they're jumping to this like higher order experience, and they forgot to go through steps two to nine. Mm-hmm. Two to nine, I believe, has to be taken. And what does two to nine mean? It's whatever we're going to define as like what I mentioned earlier, like you know, a broken relationship, um, turmoil, uh, shame and guilt, and carrying some of those things for years and years carrying a burden of responsibility, you know, risk in business, having children. Uh, I can just list, list a litany of things that, that people have to go through. I would say have to go through that. I call a great base of support to open your mind to all these possibilities. Right. So I see I'm speaking about it just as if someone fast tracked it and at 17 years of age is doing an experience right. and they're like access, you know, this is, you know, unbelievable. It's like, you know, maybe wait till you're 48, <laughs> you know, it's like where, where you possibly could rewire some things yeah. that's very helpful for you, but it's on a great base support, right? Yeah. Great base support. Uh, so it comes back, they come back as a 48 year old from that experience. Um, and they're able to just go like this for a second. They're like, now let me just think about this for a second. Right. Let me think about what all that means. How does this mean to Peyton? How does this mean to my children? What does this mean to my friends? What does it mean to my future? Like you're capable of taking a second to think about those things now. Because you had an entire lived experience. You got the experience to act as a base to like say, how does this color or flavor what I just did? So these are, these are a lot, like I haven't clearly, I'm not super clear with my perspectives on that. And I don't really give a shit that I am or I'm not, but I just want to make mention of that, that it's, it's really in my, it's really in my thoughts a lot because I see it happening a lot. Yeah. Um, and I get to see the downside of it. Yep. Right. That not a lot of people like to Instagram it or post about it. Cause remember I'm a consultant, right? So I, I deal with people in the trenches yep. of living and I just recognize that so many people are trying to fast track, uh, this experience. And so that's what I'm, 
you know, that's why why I want to speak about it, and I'll get more clear with it over time. But those are my thoughts. That's fairly clear. Um, And thanks for asking. So, should I just leave the mushrooms in the car? You're not going to have any today. (laughs) Okay. No. No. And I, I would love for you to talk about just the nuance. And I know you're just it's just a hypothesis about the difference why so many men seem to be jumping into this space in, yeah. in you know, no. let's call it in the, in their forties or whatever versus women who. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I love, I love the way you spoke. Yeah, about well, that. I mean, and, and, and as you're thinking about that, I, I am going to queue up a final song for us to play. Now, do you want me to Jeff Buckley or do you want me to play some new strat? A new strat. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cause I think that, that was, you just introduced to me and I think it'd be kind of cool for people to listen to some of those rhythms. All right. Perfect. The end. Um, kind of caught him now, but I, I was trying to rewind as to what you were asking there. Um, the difference between men and women. Yeah. Well, first of all, you want, you remember, that's just, that's just what I'm, that's just what I'm thinking as to how I'm observing things. And again, I want to be really clear on cognitive dissonance and, uh, not knowing what I'm talking about. Um, and, um, my own biases, but, I'm voracious on reading and I'm also voracious on the new media and how information is being spread out there. And that's why I'm saying when the majority of people having these conversations around that are generally males and they sit in this avatar of, you know, 40 to 35 to 50 years of age, I could be way out to lunch in terms of all the experiences and and that's okay if I am, but that's just how I'm observing it. And I, I would posit that a number of these males are are bumping up against this uh, impending doom in their eyes of having to deal with a spiritual, emotional journey for the rest of their life. And they have never, they, they possibly have not built the base of support, as, I, as we mentioned, ironically, we started our call with, to think about this base support that's built once your physical capabilities start to diminish. Right. So, um, and just to make it super reductionist, it becomes more than your penis after a period of time. There's more to it. Right. But here's the fact is that that pecker is not really going to give you much or reproduce and your vitality is going to lower. That's a fact. Right. And then you can tie in a bunch of other things that just happen based upon biological constraints. But I seemingly think a lot are, are, are going into this territory. That would be the male we're talking about for that avatar because they, they are sensing um, that this, this is coming on and it's coming on hard and fast and they need to deal with, you know, um, this uh, um, vulnerability that they never dealt with before or true authenticity or like what, what you and I, I think, are talked about before, some people are seeing are being okay with the feminine aspect of what has built them. And what's been inside of them for a long period of time. And that's just a feminine energy, right? And yeah. I just classify that. You can call it a yin-yang energy, well, it's but like let's P- call it feminine and, energy. And we talked about the armoring, right? We yeah, exactly. this armor over yeah. all our sh- intuition. Yes. And that, that yeah, kind of- and there's not a system. Again, there's, there's not, a, there's not a, a, a system out there that supports that today. Really, there isn't. It's like, uh, okay, you're at a certain age, you're done, you know? What, what I'm are working you, on a how are you contributing? <laughs> We're working on a system I know, but here, how right? are you yeah, contributing? Yeah. This is, but I mean, you're one, right? Just right. think about the millions and millions that are going through that experience of males from 40 to 50 years of age 100%. that are just like, what the fuck, what, 
what's the reason to do any of this anymore? Yep. So it should make complete common sense to you if you sense aggression that's way out of whack, a change in emotions, um, you know, a nihilism, you know, thoughts of existentialism that never came up for 40 years, right? Like relationship changes, alcoholism, relationship dependency or problems, uh, drug usage more so than like this should fucking make sense, right? But um, and but I, I can say that that's the probably the reason why they're they're into that I would say and why it may look more uh, masculine in essence that's going there because they they think it's doom that they're going to have to deal with this um, you know new side once they've reached their peak you know their peak physically and maybe what they perceive as peak in life but I'll tell you this um, just because I'm starting to touch upon it and I've and I've seen language of it from my mentors gone by. Um, what, what you see happening in resisting entropy for the physical experience, there's a beautiful sweet side that goes up in your cognitive and spiritual health. So as your physical capabilities start to diminish, right? So basically what I'm saying for you old fuckers out there that are getting old and you're pissed about it, um, and you're scared as fuck around this feminine aspect of life that you're going to have to live for the rest and, of your life. This is, this is going to be an idea of how to go not turn into an older, but turn into an elder potentially. Yes, exactly. Great language. Great language, Cal. Um, is to accept this fact and get excited around the fact that there's so much you can do cognitively and spiritually. And you can use spiritually however way you want. But learning about yourself and learning about deeper things like compassion and contribution um, and stuff that you know you can go down swinging with and it's fucking really admirable. So if people can get latched onto that, you can see that some, it may not take plant medicine to move them from the 35 to 45 years of age with it. I'm saying it might, I'm just saying though, that that's why I'm seeing a lot of them rush to that. That's what I would posit as a, as a theory. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram, uh, J Fitz Opex, J F I T Z O P E X. Um, I keep in touch with people on there. So if you message me on there, I'm kind of, I'll get back to you on whatever things you're interested in or questions you got. Um, and then opexfit.com. Um, that's our company. And, uh, we're doing a lot of, a lot of good shit there. You can find gyms there. You can find big dogs organization. You can find CCP education. Um, yeah, that's where we're up to. Awesome. We're going to listen to a little Nusrat Fatah Ali Khan. He comes via Jeff Buckley for me. Jeff Buckley did this live at Sine album, which is phenomenal. Uh, and in it, he references uh, Nusrat and he plays a song which blew my mind because he s sings in, I think it's Urdu. Is mm -hmm. that the language? Potentially. I may have messed that up, but it, it, it Jeff Buckley is obviously a, kind of, a, if you don't, if you're not familiar with his work, go to Spotify and listen. But uh, this is, so Nusrat is Pakistani. And, uh, I don't know, this stuff just moves me. And so, uh, I invite you all to just sit with it and listen to it and think about the, the level of mastery to get to, to the point where he's at. And this is from his live at WOMAD 1985, which is on Spotify. Um, and you can find me cal.callahan on Instagram, LinkedIn, Cal Callahan. And, uh, I don't know, like, Leave a review, five star, maybe, you yeah. know, rate this sucker. Yeah. You know, tell us how you're doing. Yeah, give us a like. Yeah. Give him a like. <laughs> All right. Thanks, y'all.
You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, please check out the show notes or head on over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click subscribe and share this with friends that might enjoy our platform. Please leave a five-star rating in iTunes as this really helps us spread our message. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bunker Cal and on Facebook as John Callahan. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon.